everybody. Now it's time to welcome Danny Dwyer to the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. Danny is here to talk about coming back from adversity, starting over, and leadership challenges he has faced over the last several years as a officer with his new department and formerly with the Atlanta Fire Department. Danny, thank you for joining us, and please give everybody an introduction of who you are and a glimpse into Danny's world. Uh, Mike, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate you reaching out and giving uh, giving me the opportunity to do this and um, kind of coming at this from a different angle, I think is going to be good. So um, a little bit about me. I have, uh, I'm about midway through my 24th year of the fire service here in the metro Atlanta area. Um, started out in a small department, uh, small suburban department, <clears throat> excuse me. And after a few years, I started when I was 19 years old. Uh, after a couple years, I kind of outgrew it, so to speak, and really wanted to see what else was out there. Um, so eventually made my way down to the city of Atlanta, uh, started there in February of 2005 and had my dream job. Uh, I was very, very fortunate while I was there. Um, my career lasted exactly 15 years in one day, which was kind of odd. I didn't put that math together until a few months ago, but um, was very blessed to be a part of some very, very good companies while I was there fantastic officers most of the time um learned a lot Ch just i checked just about every box i wanted to check as a as a big city fireman while i was there and then um circumstances are what they are i left i retired from the city in june of 2020 and then i went to uh a small department in north fulton county which is about, about an hour north of atlanta uh called the city it was a uh, city of johns creek little four station department uh, went there, got a little bit of a recharge, and was just kind of trying to figure out what it was like going from being a captain in a major city department to riding tailboard in another department, you know, that was a fraction of the call volume, but still it was a, it was a necessity at the time, and was just kind of cruising through, um, figuring all that out, and then I had an amazing opportunity pop up last summer. Um, and I made a move to the city of Roswell, which actually shares a border with Johns Creek, also in North Fulton County. Um, seven stations, a lot bigger, and they are transitioning from a completely part-time model to a full-time department, and they hired in 21 captains last year, and I was lucky enough to be selected for one of those positions, and uh, I'm about six or seven months into that now. So we started back in October, we hit the streets in December, and uh, was very lucky to get a a phenomenal assignment on a truck company in uh, downtown Roswell. And here we are. So I still live, uh, I live about 30 minutes away from Roswell now and I've got a five-year-old daughter and have been married to my wife for almost 11 years. So things are, things are good. That's a little bit, that's uh that's me in a nutshell, I guess. That sounds good. Um, so, you know, elephant in the room, everybody knows what happened with you in Atlanta. Um, there's plenty of other podcasts that you can go <laughs> listen to that. You can look it up. Um, we're not going to talk about the incident in question, but <clears throat> there was a time frame <laughs> afterwards where, you know, leadership does take a role. Um, I think that your situation uh, was very unique, but there was a lot of uh, leadership lessons that I believe you learned through that entire process. Um, so we'll start there. Again, like I said, guys, girls, if you want to know what happened with Danny Dwyer, you can look it up on Fire Engineering Magazine, and I'm pretty sure it's probably out there still somewhere on social media, but we're talking about post-incident. So post-incident, um, you know, just like any other situation, there's always that uh, 
post-action critique. Um, I think when you walk into those as a leader, uh, as an officer, whether you're a young company officer or anything like that, attitude is everything, right? So you have to be tactful. You have to have a good attitude and you have to go in with an open mind, I believe. Um, and sometimes that may or may not happen. Sometimes there's going to be things in the after action review that you're not going to like or that you may not have done that well. And it's not about whether you screw up or whatever it is. It's about the recovery. Part of that recovery is going into these after action reviews. And I'm going to let you take over from here because, I, you know, as we talked before we hit record, um, let's start talking about the uh, after action review and everything moving forward. And let's talk about that. So, yeah. So, um Again, the incident you're referring to occurred uh, June 29th, I think it was just after midnight, of 2019. I um, uh, can't go without saying that we, we did have a civilian fatality involved and also had another close call with two other members that were operating that night. So there was, there was a handful of things that went wrong. Um, <clears throat> the one that made the most attention was um, not the only issue that happened that night. So there was a big a critique following that, the, the shift following. So we're on a 2448. So it was about three days later, we all met um, and had all the companies that were operating there that night. There was a uh, difference of opinion uh, with a couple of the other captains that were there. So there was about an hour of um, pointing fingers that went on uh, at the very beginning of the incident and very uncomfortable situation, but eventually um, they got to me. I was a, a lieutenant on truck 16 that night. Um, and uh, what, you know, they made the round robin. They got to me and they said, you know, what, what'd you have? And I told them what, what our assignment was, you know, kind of going through the standard hot wash that, that most people probably are familiar with. And in the middle of telling the battalion chief that was the incident commander that night, uh, what happened, uh, he immediately stops me and he said, who did you, who'd you have with you? So, excuse me, and he goes, who was on the truck with you that night? And I told him the two members I had. So, we're on a 102-foot uh, TDA, tractor-drawn aerial. Um, so, it's myself and two drivers. We do not have a fourth firefighter. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions as to, you know, where were they? Um, I, I don't know how many people listening to this have ever driven a truck before, or driven a TDA. If you can't operate with your coat and pants on and you're more comfortable um, without that, without a coat, I'm fine with that. I want you to operate the vehicle safely. They both had their night pants on. So we pulled up, they had to get, you know, coat, helmet, BA tools. So it took them, it took them a second. I, of course was dressed. Um, anyway, not to get into the weeds on this, but basically the battalion chief called me out because he said, I, I left, I was freelancing, left my two members outside the building and basically went into the building without his knowledge. Now, Anybody that looks this up, you can probably find the radio traffic as well. Um, I was given a primary search as an assignment by the initial arriving captain on the engine company. And then at the same time was given a primary by this same battalion chief uh, when he arrived on scene. So the whole freelancing thing kind of goes out the window of my book. Um, freelancing to me, has the definition has changed with some people, not with me personally. Um, if you send me to the roof and I decide, no, I'm just going to go inside and do X, Y, and Z, that is freelancing. When you give me an assignment, that assignment's completed. Um, and just because this guy claims he didn't know where I was after the fact, that's not freelancing. That's a lack of accountability on his end. Um, at any rate, when the critique was happening, he kind of goes on a tirade and is, is uh, going off. 
uh, to put it mildly, you know, verbally in front of all the guys and telling me how I was freelancing and how he can't wait. He's like, I can't wait for all of you to become captains and battalion chiefs, you know, this accountability, this accountability, that. And I was, uh, as I was explaining to you before, there was a young man standing in the critique that I hadn't met. And, and to back up the, the fire because of another incident that was happening at the same time, the truck I was assigned to that night did not go down to this neighborhood. Like we were way out of pocket. So there was an extended response time. There were companies that we didn't normally run with. So there was a young man standing there I'd never met before. Very young looking guy. I knew he was still pretty new on the job. He still had his pumpkin front on, you know, his Proby shield. And he's standing there and he's, I'm watching him, watching this battalion chief berate me in front of 40 guys. And I remember thinking, I was like, this kid is going to be on the seat of an engine, riding in charge of an engine in the next five years as an acting officer in charge. If he thinks this is okay for a chief officer to do to another officer, that's a problem, number one. But more importantly is I don't want anybody to have to make a decision at two o'clock in the morning when they were asleep a little while earlier and make a decision on the fire ground that could potentially give them disciplinary action, meaning I don't want him going, well, if I go in, am I going to, am I going to get written up for this? Like that should not be part of your decision-making at two o'clock in the morning or at any, at any point. And there were some discussions in the days leading up, you know, right after the fire, there was obviously a lot of people knew what happened. The battalion chief that was there that night gave me some knuckles was like, Hey man, good job. Sorry. She didn't make it. So I, I don't know what happened in those three days leading up to this critique and then the three or four days following. But um, like what kind what I get, what kind of out, outside influences he may or may not have had. I don't know why he chose to put charges on me other than when we were discussing this um, and he got done, you know, with his little rant, I basically, you know, I told him, I was like, chief, I, I respect you very much. We've been friends a long time, but I do, I respectfully disagree with you. I said, this was not freelancing. Uh, there were some other, you know, I, I don't remember what exactly we discussed, but I was like, at the end of the day, I got to make a decision. Her life comes first. There was a, there was an opportunity for a really successful rescue. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way because some other events had happened, but um, I got to get up and look at myself in the mirror every morning. And I would have been sick to my stomach to this day, knowing the conditions we had on arrival, which anybody that saw the video, the, the video that was all over the news was not what we did, not the fire conditions we had on arrival. I think anybody that's been on this job for a few minutes knows that you can't withstand that kind of involvement, turnout gear or not. And um, so anyway, uh, I went on, I was like, you know, I got to look at myself in the mirror every morning. And if this happens again tonight, I'm making the same decision. If the exact same conditions present themselves, I'm doing the same thing. And I think that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, charges were filed a few days later and then fast forward about six or seven months, eight months. Um, I was suspended for 48 hours in February of 2020 for this incident. So. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> so that's a lot. We, um, we try, Mike, Mike, we tried not to get into the weeds, but it's almost unavoidable. No, 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 no. I, well, it, I wouldn't call so it the weeds. I that. think, no, no, you're good. No, yeah, look, man, we're, we're good. It's, it's context. So that's a lot. I, I think there's a lot of things going on here. Um, and just to clarify real quick, a TDA is a tractor drawn aerial. So they have a driver that drives the front of the uh, ladder truck and a driver that drives the back. Uh, you know that I'm sure 99% of the people out there listening know that, but they may not know the abbreviation or sure. maybe it didn't click. So 
I think you got a lot of things going on here. I mean, it's a lot to unpack. I think there's a lot of egos. I think um, you may have been a little defensive when uh, he kind of came at you like that. And mm-hmm. I think, I think, quite frankly, it, it just kind of all started because you disagreed with the guy. And right. as as leaders, not everyone's going to agree with you. You're not always going to make the right decision. It's not always going to work out perfectly. There's a gray area. There's a gray area to our job as leaders in the fire service, running calls, being in that um, environment where you, your crew members, and civilians can be killed. I mean that. that that in itself creates a certain reaction in the human body that is going to have a heightened sense of alert. And, you know, I think there's a right way to go about doing things, especially when it comes to a critique and you have to have a good attitude with it. But, you know, that kind of touches into that leadership capital of, you know, being tactful and handling yourself correctly, which I know you did. I'm not saying you didn't in any way, but, you know, the fact that you're able in the middle of this to stop, look at someone younger impressionable and understand that you have to get across clearly to that in front of them that this wasn't right or you know that impression i guess is the right way to say that because it's as we talked about beforehand it's the moral moral imperative of leadership right you have to do the right thing regardless of who's watching regardless of what people think regardless of what people say you know, you ultimately, at the end of the day, you said you have to go home. And we t- I think we talked about this in the beginning of the show, actually. You know, how are you going to ever go home and tell your kids to do the right thing and not lie and, and all that if you don't do that yourself, right? Leadership by example doesn't just stop in the firehouse. Leadership by example is everywhere. So and, – and Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So, so you have to – you know, you have to understand that when you're a leader and you're an officer in the firehouse and all that, you're going to be uncomfortable. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And part of that is having those situations where you have to make a decision. You don't just willy nilly make a decision and say, yeah, whatever, I'll try it. No. I mean, you clearly have a lot of experience. You know what you're doing. You've been, you've been down this road before you've had, as you said, mostly good officers. So you have a good example of, you know, how to be, and you have wisdom, right? You have years of experience. I think you said something to the effect of you got hired when you were 19 years old. Um, you have 20 years, four years in the fire department. At that time, you probably had 20-ish. Mm-hmm. I mean, just for conversation's sake, around 20 years. I mean, that's 20 years in the fire department as long as you are being productive, not just sitting around gaining, you know, collecting <laughs> dust. Yeah. Because there's a big difference between seniority and time on. Um, you know, you... As long you know you're being productive and all, you're going to have the experience and knowledge and wisdom of how to make those decisions. And as leaders, we need to empower our people for them to make those decisions. To where, like you know, the chief could have been like, you know, hey, you went in by yourself. What happened? Tell me about what's going on. Like, and I think that's the biggest hangup we have a lot of time as leaders is people get so quick for emotion or allowing their egos to get to get in check or to take a have a bruised ego to where they're more worried about their feelings almost. You know what I mean? They, how hard is it to just stop and go, well, wait a minute, hold on a minute. What happened? You know, I work, well, I was going to say, I worked for somebody um, <clears throat> at some point in my career and I'll just leave it at that where, you know, they said to me when, when I made mistakes and they, you know, I did a lot of stuff that was more, I think inexperienced uh, as, as a officer, they're like, you know, Hey dude, 
why did you do that? And I would explain it to them and then they'd walk me through it. And that's how you learn and teach, right? Or how you learn from more experienced people. And there's people that didn't do that. I have had situations throughout my career where I didn't even get to explain myself. I just got absolutely crushed. And I said, all right, you got it, move on. And I learned nothing from the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was young too, so, but. And, that, and that's the hard part is like in this job, the better uh, all of the officers, all of the guys, I think, in the fire service, probably in the military, police department, in public safety, anybody where you're, like you said, you're, when you're in this business, I, I want guys with egos, right? I want guys that are confident but humble, um, you know, and it just so happens that this particular battalion chief has a little bit larger of an ego than most people. Sure. Had, had he come to me, or called me the next day and said, Hey man, let's go get a cup of coffee. We got to talk. Um, it's a totally different outcome. You and I aren't friends. We're not having this conversation right now because nothing, sure. I, I think had it, had it been and where, you know, you always, you praise in public and, you know, and counsel in private kind of thing. And yep. had he just done a little bit different of a um, approach because of, you know, at the end of the whole I think he was trying to make an example. He was trying to set an example, albeit the wrong one. I think he was trying to set an example for the younger guys that were there. And I, and I had conversations with um, a couple of battalion chiefs after this, I think maybe even an assistant chief or two. And they were like, listen, you know, we can't have these young guys thinking that they can just go do X, Y, and Z. And I was like, I agree. Like, I'm not saying like, and Mike, I, you know, the, one of my very good friends, um, and I spoke the day after this incident and I was telling him about the fire and I sent him a couple pictures. And he was like, dude, he's like, man, I hope, you know, I hope I, and he was, he was in Atlanta many, many years ago. And he actually left and went to the department that I went to about a couple of years ago. And he went up there is a brand new department started to 08, but he's a captain up there now. And he's like, dude, I hope I still have the stones to make that kind of call with those conditions, you know, given the circumstances. I was like, shit, I hope I do too. Like I, it, it was one. And I'm sure you've been there maybe some of the guys, people that are listening to this podcast, like you just have this, it's a, it's a split second decision. It's a go or no go. And it literally, when we pop the door, you know, the smoke lifted, the engine pushes in, they make the haul. They're going back to the BC corner of the building to protect the rescue. And it was money. Like, but I hope that I can, I hope I still, I don't want to have to be in that position to make that decision again one day, but it probably will happen at some point. But I hope I still have the, the stones and the, and the wherewithal and the experience to make that decision. I mean, it wasn't – and that's where I think I agree and I understand where some of the higher-ups were like, look, we can't – the same kid that I was talking about, do I expect him to make that decision? No, absolutely not. And when I was training, I had a lot to do with our AOIC program, our acting officer in charge program in the city. I taught it for a number of years. I'm like, listen, if you're not comfortable, defense – just go to, you know, if you're not comfortable with what you have in front of you, whether, you know, uh, just take your everyday vacant, you know, no entrapment, whatever. If you're not comfortable with what you've got, wait till somebody else gets there. Wait till another boss gets there that can make a decision. Say, hey, man, you're good. Go get it. Or you made the right call and go defensive. Like if you're not comfortable with the decision you have to make, just hold everybody back for a minute. And that's as the you know, acting a, officer. That's as an acting officer, not a main officer that you're teaching yes, that to. Correct. Okay. Well, okay. and even if, you know, you're going to have guys, I'm sure you have guys that are brand, you know, we have, um, I don't know what the requirements are where you're at, but, you know, you have guys in Atlanta. It's, it's rare 
Um, I think you have to have five years sworn um, uninterrupted to take the lieutenant's exam. That's what we have. Kind of rare that you have. It's kind of rare that you have like a a five year guy. There's there's been a few I can think of on on one or two hands that have hit five years and took the test immediately. But even still, you got not everybody. We're, none of us are going to fires like we used to. So it's like, how sure. do you get how do you get that experience level right? So even if you have sure. a, a new lieutenant, if, if there are new lieutenants or new captains, if you don't have lieutenants that are you know new officers and listen to this. It's okay not to have the answers all the time. It's okay to go, man, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really sure what we're going to do here, you know, and wait, you know, hold, hold, the, hold the horses back for a second, wait for somebody else to get there that's got some time and go, okay, what can we do here? You know, and that was the big concern, um, I think, with a lot of the guys. And, um, but like I said, th- this woman, I, I, was at, I was at this firehouse for almost three years, I think, um, and in that three years, I think I counted it up and I went to seven um, occupied house fires. Okay. We were good for probably 130, 140 a year for the company. Most of them were first due. Everything in that neighborhood is vacant. It's a very, very um, rough, low, um, high crime what's the word I'm looking for? Just a, it's a, just a tough neighborhood. And there's a lot, yeah. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vacant homes. So, <clears throat> you know, I guess the, the point of this is like, I had a lot of practice on the vacants, but this one, this lady was a taxpayer in the city. She was 93 years old. She was a taxpayer in the city of Atlanta for what call it 80, almost 80 years, just for a round number. That's mm-hmm. who we are supposed to protect. Not saying that anybody else isn't, worth that but like that's who you throw your stuff on the on the chopping block for when you know you make those you push in a little bit harder you button up a little bit tighter to go make that move because you that that's that's what we're here for you know sure. it's just it wasn't it wasn't a vacant and god bless i mean i'm, I'm not saying take anything away from them, but I've, I've had a several vacant house fires and you find somebody in there later that was a squad or whatever that kind of stuff happened but like we had a confirmed known entrapment the neighbors knew she was in there and, you know, you, th- you, you do things a little bit different, but yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, you know. So you need to be empowered by leadership as well, right? So, you know, you're, no one intends to go out there and get anybody hurt or killed. Nobody intends to go out there and um, make mistakes. However, if you continuously beat people down when they make mistakes, they're going to learn nothing, right? And you should empower everyone. Hey, look. Hey man, yeah, you ask them what you did. I did X, Y, mm-hmm. and Z. And then they should be guiding you. They should be mentoring you, take you under their wing. You know, hey, look, mm-hmm. that may not have been the best decision, but you know, this is why, this is what you should do next time. I don't want to, I, I hate, I despise the term, well, it's okay, nobody got hurt and the fire went out. No. I despise no, that. Work for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not a well-versed, experienced person. However, every fire I've ever gone to has gone out, whether it burned and smoldered mm-hmm. out or we put it out. Every fire has always gone out, but not everyone has survived a call, right? You have citizens that, mm-hmm. that die, firefighters die. It happens. It's part of the business. But what you can do is be well-trained, and the biggest part is well-supported, right? It's just like being a parent. My kid may screw up. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to be your father. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to hold you accountable. You're not going to get away with the damn thing. However, right. However, not every moment is a punishment. There's a lot of teaching moments, a lot of mentoring moments, a lot of moments. I mean, I already said mentoring, but 
You need to be taken under your wing. Think about what that would have felt like. Actually, real quick before I go any further, how far apart was the call and the um, critique? That three days. Were? Three days. So three that's days. three days, right? You have to be prepared and ready to do your job at any time, at any moment. It doesn't matter who the people are. I understand what you're saying about the lady being a taxpayer. I get that. But like we talked about before, our job, we don't care who you are, your background. It, it's, universe, it's the closest thing to universal health care the, the United States will probably ever see is you call 911, you will, get, you will get a fire truck. You probably will get an ambulance. You may get a cop, depending on what's going on. But you call 911 and say something's wrong, you're going to be getting a fire truck. You will. Yep. Fairly quickly, right? But I think, I think that time frame of those three days is the difference, right? I think that um, you, know, you, you have the situation. You talked about the guys that have five years that could be officers and, and all those things. Um, I think brilliance of the basics will always fill those gaps. You may not always know what to do, but if you break it down, lowest common, there is a vacant house fire. Fire is showing. I'm going to lay out. I'm going to pull a line. I'm going to do my 360. I'm going to see exactly what I have. Start there. Keep it simple. Yep. Keep, Keep it simple. simple. Be brilliant in the basics. And I think you're going to do very well. Um, I also think that you know, kind of touching a little bit on uh, getting these guys ready to ride the seat. And you, you said the guy had a pumpkin front, which is an orange probationary shield. So he's clearly identified as somebody with little experience, uh, newer to the department, may not have a lot of experience. So everyone can visually identify that, right? That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. However, blackout conditions, nobody knows who anyone is, right? None of that mm -hmm. matters. Your color, your helmet doesn't matter because I can't see it. But what I do right. know is your command presence command presence of you controlling the situation being in contact with your guys you may not be able to touch them but you will be in verbal shouting you know verbal communication with these guys and girls you know you'll be able to talk to them hey all right come on let's push it a little bit further hey look it's no good let's back out um, but all that comes from preparation and support think mm -hmm. about it right you know when you're a kid you're doing terrible at sports but your coach is like you know hey man look you're not meeting the bar but it's okay. Let's go to practice. Let's go train. Let's right. do this. Let's do that. And that's ultimately what it is. But the biggest thing is support being supported. So I have a quote that I pulled up is from uh, New York city and it's from uh, John Hodgkins, Hod Hodgins, uh, the chief of the department. It says every Monday in every firehouse across the city, our members train on life-saving rope and it's only to be used for one purpose. And that's to save lives. Every Monday it comes out on in the firehouse and the members drill with it. They train for that one day that maybe something like the roof, roof, excuse me, roof, rope, rescue happens. It happens rarely, but when it does, the members need to be trained, dedicated, and brave. Now, that quote is very impactful or very, um, very deep when it comes to you know training, being ready, and doing your job right. But what do you think that mm -hmm. feels like when you see somebody that's chief of your department, your department? And he says that with confidence because he knows you can do your job and you're empowered, right? Little off in the and, weeds here, but what? Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's huge. You know, when you've got when you've got, um, it was funny we were talking about Jason Bresler a few minutes ago and how how impactful he has he has been on my career in the last, gosh, almost I guess probably nine years since I've started listening to him. Um, he said, you know, top-down leadership with a bottom-up approach. 
And it was funny because I just, I shared that on Facebook probably seven years ago and it just popped mm -hmm. up a few days ago. And I was like, man, I forgot that was him that said that. But that's it right there. You have a guy that's in charge of the department <clears throat> that is not so far removed from operations that he knows that this is a, this has got to happen. This is, this happens. We do this every Monday without fail for our members and the citizens that we protect. That's, I mean, that's, it's as simple as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. But think of what that feels like when you're supported though, you know? Right. Right. It's, 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 you're not afraid to make those mistakes because you know, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, you know, you show up and you're going to make it. I don't have a ton of time to make decisions. I'm going to do it based on my experience, my knowledge. And just like when, you know, that whole concept of your life flashing before your eyes, right? When you're up, when your body feels that you're in mortal danger or whatever, flight mm -hmm. or fight, and you get that cortisol release and your body goes through every single memory it's ever had to see if it has the ability to get you out of the situation you're in. That's what the whole, you know, concept of life flashing before your eyes. Well, yeah. You go through that on a fire. You go through that on these incidents. You're going to you're gonna tap into that experience, which is why, you know, I got promoted with 10 years on, just under 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I did a majority of my time in a similar neighborhood to you, going to responses regular, fires regularly, never as much as I wanted, but I don't feel like anyone's, right. ever, <laughs> I don't feel like anyone's ever really satisfied. But, no, you know, but, absolutely not. but enough for me to feel comfortable in different situations. Um, but then, but then your priorities change. Well, I'm not one of the guys anymore. I'm not a firefighter anymore. I'm an officer and I can think like an officer and that's tough. But what I learned through a lot of trial and error and a lot of very difficult times and I'm making a ton of mistakes, bad judgment calls, thinking I had a good idea and it was not a good idea. You know, what I had was a really, really good, especially when I was a new lieutenant, a really good battalion chief who would crush me but teach me, right? Build so up. build yep. you back up. So he had this standard. This is the bar you will meet. I will accept nothing less, right? And you could give 110% and still fall below that mark for whatever reason. Hey, dude, this is what you did wrong, boo-boo. I'm going to build you, you know, and he builds you back up. He'll crush you. He never did yep. it in public. He never did it in front of other people. It was a phone call or shows up to the firehouse and says, hey, let's talk out back real quick. And then, you know, if his car was parked on the side of the firehouse and said, hey, let's talk real quick, and he leaned against the front of the car, it's going to be a bad day for me. I knew it. Yeah. You knew it was coming. Or you get, you get, the, you get the text, come out back. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it, he always handled but you it. Have that, you have that, and then you walk away from it a little shattered probably, but also like this is going to be okay. But, he, you know, and that was the best part was it was always, you know, you get crushed. He always did it tactfully like you're never berated it, and it felt like you, you know you have that mentor that that uh father figure almost where it's your what you did is unacceptable we're gonna fix this together but if you do it again we're gonna have a problem right so you know he and it was always a teaching moment and it was always professionally handled and i got told exactly what was wrong why it was wrong what to do next time and then at the end is always, always, always close with, you can do this, dude. You're a smart man. You know what you're doing. You got to make better decisions. You know, and it was more of a, a uh, more guidance than a lecture or, or, you know, anything like that. But I mean, you know, there's always times where 
you got to go the other, the pendulum has to swing the other way and you just, you get disciplined. Um, right. You know, and it, and that's kind of, uh, that's kind of, I, I had a battalion chief downtown. Um, actually he was, might've been a shift commander at the time. I don't know if he was battalion or shift commander, but, um, same guy got me. He was never, he was my, yeah, he was my shift commander when I was an FAO and I was an engine driver on the A shift. But I think the other two times he jammed me up, I was either working overtime or on a swap. And um, he just happened to catch me twice on, on just poor decision-making on my end. One was on the fire ground. One was with a personnel matter. Like, not even a personnel matter in that sense. I literally threw a kid off of the engine, was bored. It was like we were going to the, the firehouse next door to go have coffee after dinner. And the engine <clears throat> was pretty slow that day, newer guy. And he's like, hey, can I come with you guys? I'm like, yeah. So I told the OIC on the engine. I said, hey, man, I'm taking this, taking so-and-so with me on the truck. We're going to ones for coffee. No problem. Well, I get there, and we're in the kitchen having coffee, and Chief walks in. I hope he listens to this. He walks in, and he stops at the coffee maker and looks back at me, and he starts counting quietly. He goes, one, two, three, four. Hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. And you're supposed and to have three. There. Yeah, I'm supposed to have three. And okay. I'm sitting there, and he goes, are you guys riding heavy? And I was like, uh, no, sir. I said, just, you know, so-and-so wanted to come with us to have coffee. He's like, okay. Walks out of the office, and I was like, that's it. Even everybody in the room knew. They're like, you're, you're toast. <laughs> Here we go. He was, he was, you know, he was, a, he was probably one of our strong – I mean, he's definitely in the top three or four battalion chiefs, incident command prep, just a phenomenal incident commander. Um, I, res- I still respect this gentleman a lot. He's since retired. Uh, but we had this call. We were laughing about this the other day. He came – you know, he called me. Chewed me out. It wasn't even my shift. I was working overtime. Chews me out. And he asked me, he goes, hey, have you ever read the Solomon Report? And I'm not sure, Mike, if you're familiar with this. We had a line of duty death in the city uh, Thanksgiving of 2006. And one of the contributing factors to that line of duty death was a lack of accountability. The the young man that was killed was um, three weeks out of recruit school. And there was a practice with some companies many, many years ago, they would have what they call a pivot man or a swing man. And generally speaking, the trucks in the city get more work than the engines do. They're going to go to more fires because there's less trucks than there are engines. I mean, you do the math. So what they would do is the the guy would put his gear in the floor in between the two apparatus. If it was a first due fire, he would jump on the engine. If the truck was going out without the engine, he'd jump on the truck and try and go get some work with them to build some experience. I was never really a huge fan of that, um, but that was – they didn't know. I think he was assigned to the truck that night. They might, We might have been riding heavy. The, the staffing in the city has ebbed and flowed greatly uh, in the time that I was there. So I think for – we were probably heavy that night. And But any which way, put him on the engine. He was supposed to be on the truck, so nobody really knew where he was. But that was listed from NIOSH as one of the contributing factors. And he had asked me if I'd reference a report. Of course, I had. That was part of our – uh, study material for promotional exam. I said, yeah, chief, I've read it. He goes, all right, read it again. I was like, chief, I got it. I, I know what I did. He goes, I'm not asking you. Read it again and send me a memo on why, you know, he could have easily, if he wanted to be a little bit rougher, he could have given me a letter of counseling because he asked me, he goes, did you notify battalion you were taking this guy with you on the truck? And I was like, no, I told his, told his officer on the engine. I didn't call battalion. You know, he's like, yeah, but what if it, 
yeah, you can what if it to death, but you know, he was right. But he, you know, there's sure. a way to, there's a way to counsel. And I think that one of all, and anybody that knows this guy probably was like, he, I'm surprised he didn't write you up um, because that wasn't, but he, he counseled me by educating me by saying, Hey, read this again, sure. even though you've read it a half dozen times or better, read it again. Think about it in the context of which you just did X, Y, and Z. What if this would have happened? I was like, you know what, to me, that way of getting, you know, hammering a point home is, is so much more productive than a letter of counseling or a document of oral counseling, whatever you want to call it, you know, much less a write up. And so, yeah, that's, that's the, the other part of the leadership component, I guess. And, and, and you get, you tear down, tear them down a little bit to build them back up and do, you know, change their, it's to change bad behavior or it's to well, change bad decision-making. It's not about getting somebody in trouble. Yeah. Well, they're also giving you the why, right? So like, if you continuously crush people for making bad decisions, if you don't explain to them what happened, what they did, why it's wrong, why they need to change it, or, mm-hmm. you know, what, maybe I said that wrong. If you, you know, if you have a fire and you do, you know, A, B, and C, and the chief's like, hey, A, B, and C is wrong. You should have done X, Y, and Z. This is, <clears throat> this is what you did. This is what you should have done. This is why. Right. Right. If you if you if you understand, if you give people the why they will be they will learn much, much more, because if somebody just yells and screams at you, you're not going to learn anything because you're going to shut down. Mm -hmm. I think that's human nature, quite frankly. Sure. I I think, you know, if you degrade, I mean, we're all adults here, right? If you degrade and you embarrass people, especially in front of their shift now, uh, you know, in front of the guys and girls, now they're going to see the battalion chief crushing their officer. How what does that look like to them? Right. What mm-hmm. kind of impressions that make to your guys and girls? And, you know, you're going to get a terrible response from the person that you're disciplining, you know, and that's, and that's at the station level as well. You know, you can't go in there and berate and insult people. If you need to do stuff or do whatever it is, you need to do it in private, like as, cool. as we said before, you know, and, and um, I am familiar with the 2006 line of duty death. Um, I think there's a lot of things if our, if our listeners um, have not, you need to go out and look at it. Um, I talked to the Dennis Rubin about this call mm-hmm. uh, a few shifts back. That's right. I've heard, yeah. Yeah. So the links in there, uh, we'll probably we'll add a link to the NIOSH report in this one. It's definitely a very um, educational read for everyone. Um, I, I think there's a lot of things to take away from that. But so, and, and not to dive too deep into a, a totally separate incident, but one thing that I want to mention because it was, uh, I was, that was a, that was a C shift fire. I was off that night. It was not in my district that I worked in, but um, a very good friend of mine was driving the engine that night uh, that he was assigned to. And some pretty intimate knowledge about it. And the biggest, the scariest thing for me, um, I'd been in the city a year and a half at this point was still just a backstep fireman. You know, I think I was riding up, I was riding the seat driving and, um, I would have made the exact same decision that the OIC of that engine made if I was in his shoes. And the guy, he's still there. He's, you know, uh, thank God he didn't leave the job or anything like that. He's a captain now, but I know it eats him up every year. Um, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, uh, nobody has forgotten that young man. Um, I was assigned to that company, like I said, for almost three years and it's, you know, it's, it's never far away. You know, you, you go, sure. we, went, we went down Elm street, probably two or three times a week. It's just, it was right down the street from the firehouse, but it was a common, I hate to use the term but it was a comedy of errors. You had, this was not his, it was his decision, 
but it wasn't the only person that that made mistakes. We had probably some of our most, and they're all most of them are gone now or have risen up to the deputy chief or above. But some of the best fire ground captains, fire officers that I know that were on the job were there within three minutes of that call coming out. You had probably 150 years of experience, and a lot of people made the same mistake. It wasn't just a young man that was riding the seat. It, there was a lot of people because it it hadn't happened yet. It's all a chain of events, we, too. We, it's bro, all a chain we, of events. I'm telling you, after that fire, I looked back at a few other fires I'd been on and was like, holy shit. Like, we just beat the clock on so many. We had gotten what we had – it had been years. And vertical vent was not – I shouldn't say it wasn't a thing. It is not – it was not as big of a thing as it is there now. Mm-hmm. Um that was 1,152 square feet with virtually nothing inside of the house. Wall coverings were gone. There was a foam mattress, uh, I think a, a bed, and it, it put off enough nasty gas. That was a gas fire. That wasn't, that wasn't a, 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 there was no contents. There was nothing to burn. It literally got the right temperature. It was all boarded up. They opened the front door. They pulled some boards off, gone. Thing lit off with him inside and the, one of my very, one of my oldest buddies and my classmate uh, in the Academy in Atlanta was on the nozzle, the engine that put it out 30 gallons, maybe it was out. It was out in a second. So it's just like, these things can happen, but we learned um, as an organization. And, and, and I hope most of the officers, officers that are there now got a lot of takeaways from that on tactics and when to open up and, and, so there, some good came of it for sure. It doesn't replace him, obviously, but um, he has a legacy come from that. He has yeah. a legacy and, and, with th- that. And yeah. thankfully, Chief Rubin, Chief Rubin, uh, I think it was the night. No, no, no. Let's see. So probably the shift after, because um, you know he didn't um, he didn't pass away for about five days, mm-hmm. if I recall. Um, and he went and spoke to Todd Edwards, who. Uh, you may or may not know of was a captain on engine 20 at the time a phenomenal guy he's a he's an instructor he's retired from the city now but he goes all over the southeast he really goes all over the country teaching now um one of the best engine engine bosses you'll run across and went to todd was like we need to do a report on this right now i want it done and this is before again before we knew what was going to happen he already put together a panel to find out like immediately and even todd was like at the time he's like man i didn't I wasn't comfortable like chief, like this just happened. Let's let the dust settle. And he's like, Nope, we're not letting the sun set on this one. And he was very quick to get a panel together to start investigating what happened. And so that was, that was some good that came of it that, that chief Rubin directly had some involvement in strong leadership is what it sounds mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, at the, in the, in its essence, that's leadership in general. Right. Um, right. So we're going to, I want to transition now to, we got a pretty good idea of the uh, of the fire in question that you know kind of started all of this and sure. kind of you know what I want to talk to you about specifically. So, you know, social media played a big, big, big um, factor. <laughs> I think um, it was in, the factor. I think, but I think that played a lot of a factor, a big factor into uh, that battalion chief um, and his decision in your department. I mean, think about that, right? So you had several days. I mean, I don't remember the exact events that well, but I do know I remember my social media lighting up with your situation, and then it turned into Danny would go, and it turned into yeah. these 
you know, I mean, people not knowing what's happening, what's going on and, and all that, they see and it, it goes, uh, it goes viral really, you know? Right. Um, and at its face, I didn't, kind even of, know, I didn't even know what that term was until well, this happened. My buddy called yeah. me, goes, you're trending on, on social media. And I was like, what yeah. is it? I don't, what, <laughs> you know, it just, it, boom, it, here it wow. goes. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it uh, was gone. It oh was yeah. Gone. Yeah. It just spread like wildfire and you know, yeah unfortunately there's uh, good and bad things that come out of social media. I personally had a situation with social media where I made a mistake and that uh, proverbial hammer dropped within two hours of what I did. Mm -hmm. And within two hours, I'm going home from work um, and it turned into an absolute nightmare. And, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but it, you know, it worked out and uh, yeah, you stuck it out and learned from it. I'm sure stuck it out. I learned a lot from it. I, you know, I, and unfortunately, it's stu- and this is kind of why I'm bringing this up is it's something I still I still deal with now. It still comes up. Um, God, it's been 13 years now. It happened in mm-hmm. 2010. It's 2023. 13 years later, I still hear about it. And ultimately, the whole point of why I'm bringing it up is I deal with it as an officer. So I'm a leader. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be setting the example, but my reputation always precedes me. People don't right. forget anything. They don't forget shit. They won't forget Definitely not anything. on this job. No. Not on this job at all. And the nice, well, the interesting part about the fire service is 99% of the time, people are not afraid to tell you about it. They're not afraid to remind you <laughs> of past mistakes. Oh, you know, that yeah. whole that whole concept of you're only as good as your last fire is pretty, pretty accurate. You know, right. uh, I had an I had an officer tell me today's champ is tomorrow's chump, right? Or tomorrow, t- today's chump could be tomorrow's champ because yep. things happen. You know, you're only as good as your last fire. And now you could take that even further as you're only as good as your last decision as a leader, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can knock situations out of the park and do great, but then you could have a situation where you absolutely shit the bed and they're going to remember that. So yep. a little long-winded on that, but what I'm getting at is you made a transition. You left, you left, you ended up leaving Atlanta and you went to your next department. Um mm-hmm. That transition is probably difficult. People are going to know who you are way before you got there, whether it's yeah. good because of social media or it's bad because of social media. I'm sure there was a little bit of both. So, you know, you had to start somewhere. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, reestablishing yourself as a leader. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, let me give you a little a little uh maybe not so well-known secret. So I was a part-time employee of this department from 2000, oh, maybe 10 or 11 to 2015. Mm -hmm. So their current fire chief um, was an Atlanta fireman when I was there. Uh, We were good buddies. We're friends for, I mean, gosh, I've known him, what, 23, 24 years now. Great guy, very good friend, friend of the family, whole nine yards. So in the midst of all this social media frenzy in February of 2020, um, he calls me up. He's like, I got a deal for you. And I'm like, Chris, I can't, not right now. You know, just I can't. There was just so much going on um, that week that I was, well, not even the week I was suspended. It was a solid six, seven weeks of, um you know, Fox News reaching out, CNN reaching out, uh, Inside oh, wow. Edition. Like, oh, wow. I, dude, I can't, I, I wish really? I still had, a, yeah, it was, dude, my, my wife turned off my notifications on all my social media and she's like, stay off of it. <sighs> Deleted the apps. I mean, it was, I can't begin to explain to you 
how overwhelming that was. And I think that a lot of people kind of laugh when I tell them, I'm like, dude, I'm not built for this. And they're, I've got a pretty big personality, fairly decent sized group of friends, you know, um, that was so far, so foreign to me that I couldn't, I was overwhelmed to say the least, like to the point where like it was causing anxiety. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like it was, it was, it was way too much for me to deal with. Oh, I can imagine. And, um, and uh, so, you know, you're dealing with lawyers, union president, the city, everything else that's going on. And then on top of that, I knew the minute that social media put this out or that, that it, it went out to the media first via the union. And the reason being, um, we were trying to get the fire chief. We, it, was, it was let out to the local news. And there was a bunch of reporters with the AJC, which is uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the paper, and um, one of the major news outlets here. And they knew that this fire had occurred. They were waiting. You know, it was, it was from June until, until February of 20 that this investigation went on. And so they were kind of all waiting to see what was going to happen. And so uh, we decided, and I'm not going to throw this all in the union up. Still a, a dues-paying union member, retired now, uh, local 134, very proud of it. And, you know, they, they said, let's, let's put it out there. Let's try and get him to reverse his decision before the ink's dry on this thing. And I was like, sure, let's do it. That's at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon on my duty day. I leave headquarters, go back to the firehouse. We're cooking dinner. And it's like live at 6 o'clock. We're watching the news. And I was like, oh, boy, there's my picture plastered all over the media. Mm-hmm. And even the guys that I was working with, I was in a single, I just got promoted, was in a single engine house. So me and three other guys and they're, they're giggling. They're like, damn cap. Like, yeah, you in for it. You're in for it now. And I'm like, Oh boy. You know, and, and I, and I didn't think much of it. That's at six o'clock. We ran, it was a busy engine. So we were in and out the door all night. And my wife shot me a text about 11 o'clock and she's usually in bed by nine. <laughs> she shoots me a text and she's like, have you been on Facebook? And I said, no, I haven't. She's like, you might want to take a look. And I'm laying in bed and I was like, oh, sweet mother of pearl, what have I done? What have we done? And it just went like crazy. So I worked that day and I think I came back for one more shift before my suspension took effect. Mm. And uh, so the week I was off, everything goes bananas. And um, yeah, man, social media really... Uh, again, and I, and I've tried, and I, and I don't mean to, I, I truly mean this when I say this, like this social media turned this into what it became. Like it, yeah. it was not my choice. Um, the biggest takeaway I think I had is I, I really, um, I'm, I wish the organization hadn't taken the beating that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the city of Atlanta fire department. I still, you know, 90% of my buddies are still on the job there. I miss it the organization didn't need to take the beating that it did. There were sure. a couple uh, chiefs officers that were involved that might've needed it, but the organization itself took a beating. I mean, for six, eight months after this, like I would still see it's kind of slowed down, but the, the Instagram, you know, parody, you know, the social media thing uh, definitely threw gas on this. Um, and my my biggest thing, you know, I, I still bump into guys now that are on the job from various places. And it, it, it's, I, I, and it's, I hate even, I don't even want to have to make this statement, but like I put my pants on one leg at a time, like sure. Facebook, Instagram, the onslaught from this whole thing made it look a lot bigger of a deal than it should have been. 
um, had this not made the news, nobody would know about it. And, and, and had Facebook not gotten a hold of it. Now, I cannot thank everybody enough for the support. You know, somebody started a GoFundMe page, which I was sick to my stomach about. I was like, listen, I, I lost not, not that I'm, uh, you know, made of money, but I, I, it's a 48 hour rip. Like I didn't need, I think there was somewhere to the tune of seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars in there that we Jeez. ended up donating. Yeah, it was. By the way, you know, don't use that website. They're not easy to deal with. <laughs> but oh, I can but, only, uh, you know, I can only imagine. People, you know, and a lot of people donated. You know, uh, you know, what if that was so and so's? Uh, you know, last fifty bucks or whatever. And it was, it was very. I was very humbled by the whole thing. Like I, I still. Yeah. I don't, I didn't deserve the notoriety. I don't think that I did anything that Mike Nasty or anybody else, you know, Jim Smith would have done given the situation. Um, Todd Edwards, we were speaking about him a minute ago. um, Very good friend of mine. We were business partners for a while. He helped me kind of, a lot of people wanted to know about this incident after. So I can deliver classes. I had never written a class per se. Like I always take somebody else's junk and deliver it to, you know, to the yeah. or whatever yeah, and I can yeah, hold, yeah you know when it comes to like drill yard stuff like i can hold quarter on the fire ground on, on the drill yard like that's my that's my wheelhouse going and delivering a 90 minute class to a group of 350 people it, it you know at the holiday Inn or the uh hilton in pensacola was not in my wheelhouse which i you know that right he helped me with that so right Todd was very, you know, he said, he goes, man, he goes, a fire service needed this. And I'm like, no, it didn't. I don't need this. I don't want this. Like, this is not for me. Um, But there was a time, like, I feel, I do feel, and you've been doing this a while as well. I feel like in the last five to six years, there has really been a taking back of our job nationally, even probably internationally, but you're starting, you were starting to see, these different grassroots fire department conferences popping up from here to Texas, Florida, Alabama, um, West coast. They're, they're covered up. You know, there are, there are some fantastic instructors um, outside of your four major fire departments that get, and have gotten all the notoriety for 25 years, you know, if you, you know, and, and nothing against, you know, anybody at any of those larger departments, but there are a lot of very, very intelligent, really good, very experienced instructors out there that don't, that didn't work for any of the huge major metropolitan cities. And so you started to see these little fire department conferences popping up everywhere and kind of going back to the, you know, for them, which is what this is all about. And I, and I think uh, maybe Cody Trestrail or I think was brothers in battle, one of them, that's their thing. It's for them. This is all for them. This isn't for us. It's not for me. It's for the yeah. people we're sworn to, we swear to protect. And so yeah. I think that that may have, if there was a, a, a plus of all this, that kind of kicked this thing into high gear, into overdrive. Uh, and Yeah, but you know what, though? I, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just was saying it. it dude, it blew up. It, I, I was talking to uh, uh, one of the people I was on shift with yesterday. And she was like, oh, I heard you met so-and-so. And he just, he's always wanted to meet you and ask what it's like working with you. I'm like, dude, I, I put my pants on this. I'm an idiot. I literally, like, I've yeah. made more mistakes. I've made more mistakes than I'm even afraid. I can't count them all. I don't, I probably don't remember half of them, but the, I'm pretty sure I don't make the same one twice, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, dude, we've all, this, this was Facebook turned this into what it was. This is, you know, this, this got blown up, like, should say blown out of proportion. I don't know the word, but it just social media took this thing and it just it exploded. And 
I, I did get one message from a guy. Um, I got a bunch of messages and I tried for probably two weeks to at least mm-hmm. fire one back and say, Hey man, thanks for the support. Hey man, thanks for this. I couldn't even, I couldn't even keep up at some sure. point. Sure. But there was one I read pretty early on a few days uh, in the middle of all this. And he goes, Hey, you know, I feel like the guy was from Arkansas, some small department. He goes, look, man, I work in this three station apartment. Thank you. My department is completely rewriting our entire search policy because of this call. And I was like, that's cool. Like, yeah, the stickers, the t-shirt, like that's fine and good. But that, that to me, and if, if that, if that's that one guy's department, if they made a change because of this, it was all, it was all worth it, you know, but it was, uh, it was a difficult time, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of how that came to be. Um, yeah. So. No, I understand. Uh, you know, well, let me ask you this. Do you think it took off because it's social media or do you think it took off because of the relatability people had in your situation and it just got out to more people? Like the reach? I think it was a combination of the two. I think it was really, and that was talking to Todd, you know, he's like, dude, the fire service needed this. Like it, it was just way, it was a, basically a powder keg. Like people were starting to push back on you know, I'm not going to call them out just to, <laughs> for, I'm sure I could probably get sued since I'm on a podcast, but like some of the big companies, wink, 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 that write all the books that we read out of, wink, wink, you know, sure. saying that, you know, we don't search buildings unless we know that they're occupied or, or you know, they, they've gotten it all wrong. Like this has gotten, uh, it's gotten, it's gone too far. And I think people finally have said enough is enough. And we're not buying into this anymore. Like there, you know, we're not, nobody's trying to be cowboys. Nobody's trying to get themselves killed, but we are still here to do a job. And the people, the big, some of the bigger companies are getting it, kind of getting it wrong, you know? And I I think it was, it was a pushback. Do you think they come up with things to talk about from a different level than the average person? Right. And we're not going to say the name of the company. We'll just say Mm -hmm. the company. Um, people at that level of that company, do you think they see a situation that they want to bring out and then there's an execution problem from people that have five years that can be officers and then turn around and could be chiefs in eight years? And now they have no experience and no foundation, but they read this article, take that article out of context and say those things. Because, you know, I mean, if you want to say in writing, and I'm not saying anyone in particular, just in mm-hmm. general, if you say something to the effect of, you know, Hey, look, we're killing people from from vacant house fires. You know, if the house isn't confirmed entrapment and there's no signs of life, you know, uh, or no signs of uh, it being occupied, you shouldn't go in and do it. Do you think they're saying that every time or do you think they're saying, hey, look, you need to use good judgment. These are the things you should look for. You have to make a decision at the end of the day when we're at that chief level, you do have to have the ability to see the big picture. These are the things that you see in the big picture. These are the things that you need to emphasize for the big picture, but your guys need to make their own decisions. Cause I feel like, I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I, I feel like I remember reading a lot of those articles and I'm not standing, I'm not on one side or the other. All I'm saying is I feel like I remember reading a lot of these articles when I, when I do read, cause you know, I don't read that well, mm-hmm. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, when I, when I read, um, <clears throat> I always feel like there's, there's always that disconnect where, you know, people like see the see social media and they're like, yeah, it's vacant. It's it's occupied till we search. It's right. or it's not, you know, and OK, fine. But what experience have you had with that? Yeah, you can read right. it on social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, 
all that. And you have all these cool videos that people put out for their, you know, their social media pages and it looks mm-hmm. good. And they have these cool, these cool one-liners and all that's great. But how far out of context are people looking at these things or are they not looking at the context correctly? Because I think, I think, and I'm sorry to cut you off. I think no. that, I think that the problem with a lot of things that people read is they don't understand the context and that maybe from a lack of experience or knowledge, you, you know what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. there's always this war on chiefs and this war on officers and stuff like that. And, you know, guys are like, Oh, backstep dudes for life. And then that's great. That really, really is great. Mm-hmm. But I think all of it, and I'm coming back full circle because I went on a little bit of a rant. I kind of got off in the weeds. The point that I'm making with all of this and why I think social media blew up so much is the relatability. And I think people right. miss people miss that mark a lot. But, but when you have a situation that's relatable like yours, you know, I read about it and I, and, I, and I knew in my mind I've been in your situation, not to that extent, but similar where – Hey, look, I made a decision and it was the wrong decision by mm-hmm. a lot. I got smoked. I was embarrassed on the fire ground and my battalion chief crushed me. And I looked mm-hmm. like the biggest idiot in the world. And it wasn't because I didn't feel like doing something or I wanted to go chase the fire or whatever. I saw a situation. I made a decision and I was wrong. But I never yeah. made no, – no one died. You know, the fire wasn't even anywhere near – you know, we were just getting into a position to confine the fire in between uh, oh. buildings. You know, does that make you, sense? You put yourself, that? yeah, but you put yourself in the in the position to make a decision. If you if you sit back sure. on your on your rear end and don't do anything, those guys never get in trouble. It's the guys that are out there that are working, that are doing the job and trying to be better and trying to be aggressive in a good in a good de- defining definition of that word that are the ones that are going to make a jam. You can't make every decision is not going to be the right one. I, sure. I will. I can promise you, I'm going to make a lot more wrong decisions. I just hope that they are on a smaller level that I learn from them. You know, I, I'm. Anytime we've had an after action, or, or whether it's it on the back step of the engine, or it's at a formal, you know, after action at an offsite location, or it's sitting around having coffee a couple hours after the work, it's like I'm. I'm my biggest critic. I. I but I also. I don't find fault in people. I try not to find fault. I try and figure out a way to streamline things and make them better. Did I do X, Y, and Z to the best of my ability? You know, truth be told, Mike, I went from going to a good bit of fires. I'm out of practice. It's been a minute. You know, the the department that I went to initially uh, was extremely slow. I think the last three or four engines I was assigned to downtown ran ran more calls than all four firehouses ran. I'm out of practice. And it showed. I made a mistake. I made a. I'm not gonna say I made a mistake. I had a couple things I could have streamlined a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it, it, it's just it's one of those things that you know you get out of practice with stuff. And you know I'm, I'm go back. I'm listening to the radio traffic. I'm watching the helmet cam. I'm like, come on, Danny. Like you're better than this. You know better. It's a perishable, than this. perishable skill. Right. And and again, it's not to find fault. But if you don't, to me, if you don't go, hey man, you know you parked here. Um, do you think what would have happened if the incident expanded how is your apparatus placement going to be a problem or where where could you have parked to be in a better location should you have spotted a secondary water supply should you have uh you know pulled the rescue up out of the way so you weren't blocking the truck you know there's there's it's not to find fault it's to get people that have less experience and less time to think you know they always told us when i was you know coming up it's like you're looking through two toilet paper rolls 
for your first few years. And then you go to like a little 30 degree view. And then, you know, it's to get people to start thinking outside of their level of comfortability or training at that point. You're constantly training. It's just, it's, it's just getting people it, by not to mean fault, to find fault, just say, Hey, look, this was what was done. It worked out in this situation. What could we have done to make it better? There's yeah. always going to be something you can do to make always. it better. No matter who you are, there's always something you, know, and you can do better. Dude, I, I'm my own worst critic. Like I beat myself up on daily. You know, the, the very first fire I had as a, as a company officer, uh, you know, a few months back, I made a couple mistakes. Nothing major, but there were mistakes to me. They didn't even get brought up, I don't think. But I was like, damn it, Danny, you could have done this. This would have been a better option. This would have been a better position. This would have been a better, you know, again, it, it had been a minute you know, since I, you know, was on the first do fire as boss, you know, so it's kind of, uh, you know, but hopefully, uh, you know, thing will, we'll get back into the swing of things and yeah, it is what it is, but you gotta, you gotta realize that like it's, there's going to be stuff that you can improve on always. And that to me, again, that goes back to the humility and, and <clears throat> that whole thing we talked about earlier. Yeah. And, you know, you, you always want to try and be one, you know, better than you were the day before, better on mm -hmm. the, uh, the call before or, better for the next call. So, you know, when I was a newer officer, I had a fire that was the most impactful moment um, in my career. And I think it kind of changed me as a person for my life. Um, you know, we were first due. I'm not going to get into the details. Anyone that's mm -hmm. listening to anyone that's listening to this will know exactly what fire I'm talking about, where absolutely everything that could go wrong went wrong. I have never in my life felt like such a failure or been so embarrassed to the point of I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror driving back in the mm -hmm. utility in the utility truck because it was one of those shift change fires. And um, <clears throat> well, not exactly a shift change, but you, you finished your shift on that call. And I'm tracking you. Yeah. You, you don't I mean, everybody's been there. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's something that took me years to get over and that I still deal with a little bit now where you know, it's, it, that call comes up and, and, you know, it's, I used to be super embarrassed by it. I used to despise the fact that I had to go through it. And sometimes every now and then it comes up and I'm a little frustrated with myself still, but what I've learned is, you know, how far I've come since then. And, and mm -hmm. I think, again, it's not about falling down. It's about getting up yep. and, you know, you, I, I've always been a firm believer in you have a resume in paper and then you have an informal resume on your actions, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a really, really good quote. I forget the guy's name and I really should know if I'm going to use it, but um, it was on a different podcast that I listened to. And it says, um, you know, resumes tell you where I've been, but you cannot judge my life or me based on where I've been. So the point is... It's very interesting, and I'll send you the clip, and I'll, I'll attach the link. It's, it's a little religious, but it's still very, very good. Um, not that there's anything wrong with religion, but – No, you know no, I got saying. it. I'm tracking you. The, the point that I'm making is you know, <clears throat> just like your reputation, your resume, whatever it is, is always going to get there ahead of you. But just because you have that resume doesn't mean anything as far as right. where, you're going, where you're going in the future, right? Resumes change as you go. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> Daily. You can always create change and success 
by how you recover from those mistakes. But the best part about those mistakes, and I, and this took me a long time to really understand, I used to be so embarrassed and hate the mistakes that I make. Now I've learned to cherish them because I can see how far I've come, right? right. So now I make a mistake to, you know, not hopefully I don't make this mistake, but you know what? I blow an address. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I blow an address. But I didn't miss the fire totally or, you know, what, what, however you want to compare that. Maybe that was a bad example. But basically the long story short is, yep, you know what? You made a mistake, but look how far you've come. You haven't right. made this mistake in a really, really long time. And guess what? You freaking own it and you move forward. And those mistakes and get slower and slower or get uh, further and further apart. Less frequent. Yeah, that's the whole goal, right? And I had my first that, uh, that I know of, my first uh, – I tell everybody I've had a few aha fires. Like, oh, shit, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had one in 2012, day after my birthday. Um, I was getting married that July. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best buddies that uh, we had been friends prior to him getting on the fire department, uh, he eventually made his way downtown. He's riding. I uh, think he was plugging on the engine that day. I was in his wedding that September mm-hmm. and almost killed all three of us. I made a piss poor, I made, I made a piss poor call on a basement fire. But I learned, from, like, I, I knew I made a mistake. I, I told everybody, like, I, I have no problem sharing my, my screw-ups, right? And sure. I, I made a huge mistake. Everybody's like, yeah, but, but, but. I'm like, no, no, no. There's no buts. I, I own it. I'm fine with that. Like, I, I'm, I'm more proud of my mistakes than I am any accolades, any ribbons, any awards. Like, it, because you learn from them. Yeah. You're policing you know, yourself, too. Correct. Correct. And you know, but it scared the hell out of me. I remember thinking like we, it, it lit off. I thought we were toast. And I'm like, I just killed my best buddy. And I'm in his wedding in September. Not even, I remember, I truly remember like after the fact going, shit, I'm getting married in July. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. You know, but I was a, I was a uh, engine driver at the time riding up, um, had a fantastic operator on the pump, you know, a brand new guy in the back that had maybe two weeks on. And then one of my best buddies I've known for God, 15 years of the time, you know, mm-hmm. and it scared me. But I, I, but again, I learned from it. I know exactly what I did wrong tacti- tactically. Um, and it just so happens my next aha fire was also a basement fire about, you know, I, I, me and basements don't, don't get along. I, I don't, I don't like going <laughs> to basement fires. I've never, I, you know, they, they've, I've got, sure. I've almost gotten jammed up too many times in, in basement fires. And most of our sure. stuff here is walkouts. We don't have like a true cellar fire. So I don't even want to get into that whole thing. But, right. you know, you just make, you make calls and you think at the time that they're right and then conditions change and it's just staying. This would have been a good one to talk with Bresler about. It's staying left of bang, right? The whole Marine Corps bang theory. You're trying to great stay book. in front of the incident, right? Great, great book, by the way. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, we're, we're constantly behind the eight ball, right? We are, you know, we are right of bang. Hopefully we don't get caught in bang. We stay left of bang. I think if I recall the, the order of that, but yeah. you know, um, you know, the, but you have aha moments. And we, we talked about one the other night uh, with a couple buddies and I had another one on Easter, my daughter's first Easter of 2018. Had a three-story ordinary apartment come down on me and another guy mm. while we were operating in the basement. And thankfully, because of, you know, I, I'm, I have no problem admitting that I've recognized the conditions were different in one part of the basement than where we were operating. And I was like, you know what? We're pulling the plug. We're out. And, you know, I, I just sent uh, an engine and truck company to the main fire floor for fire attack and search. 
And then I, I called my, my captain was in charge at that time. And I was like, Hey, we're going defensive. Don't send anybody to the first floor. We're backing out. And we were about three feet from the door when the whole thing came down. And then it, it collapsed three times, um, three times in probably 20 minutes. The first one knocked me and another guy to the floor. And if we were not, thankfully we weren't too far into the building that we couldn't get our way out. But, uh, then the whole Delta side wall collapsed, I think twice. So it was a, Jeez. it was, it was a long one. And I remember yeah. going up to, I walked yeah. up to the top of the street and threw my irons down. I was like, I'm out of here. Y'all can have it. I'm going home. Like it was like right. in the morning, you know, right. but it was just like, but I, you know, I drove by there later and I stopped in front of, I mean, it, it was literally a block and a half from the firehouse. And I just sat there and looked at that building and I'm like, Holy shit. Like how, you know, yeah. and thankfully I'm still, walking around and, and realized it, but it, it scared me and, and sure. you have those, but you know what, you don't forget them. And you remember, I mean, that's another one that goes into the Rolodex or your, you know, into your, um, your slide Experience. stack. Yeah. To, to pull on later, hopefully. And, and not even for me necessarily, it's like sharing those stories with other people, you know, um, the biggest, one of the hard, I think one of the bigger challenges we have, I have now personally, just because of the amount of fires that we go to where I am now significantly less than I did downtown. So it's like, okay, how do we get, how do we get people that aren't going to fires as much the knowledge base that you and I gathered by going to these fires? Like, I don't like, I'm not a huge YouTube guy, but like every, every dude, there's so many helmet cams on <laughs> that are running around now. And I yeah. see guys have GoPros screwed to their coats. You know I mean? There's so if you can't go to them, at least you can get online and go, Hey, let's go. You know, and I, I dude, I love watching fire videos. 24 years in, I love watching other people go to work. I'd rather yeah. be going to work, but the videos are out there. The content's there. It's like, so there's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult decision um, or a difficult uh, situation we find ourselves in now, at least where I am, is how to get people to the level that they need to be in to make solid fire ground decisions on calls, you know, you know when yeah. you're not going to them all the time. Sure. But you know what? That's also part of being engaged, right? You have to sure. be engaged when you're at work. You have to, you know, you don't necessarily have to run out and pull lines every single day, multiple times a day, and pull dry lines on fire alarms because you need to quote unquote get your reps in. Yes, you need to make sure those skills are good. And if there's a deficiency on a call, you go back, you train, you fix, and all those things. But I think when you stay engaged, you know, talking fire department stuff, reading fire department stuff, going over scenarios as a shift, as a crew, and most of all, staying engaged as a group, I think that's where you, you start filling in those gaps. You have that experience-based leadership go in, and you start talking about these fires. Like You can really hone your, hone your skills by listening mm -hmm. to older guys with experience. I, I do enjoy YouTube uh, like videos and stuff. I think they have their place. However, mm -hmm. what, I, what I don't like sometimes is you – know, or the best part about YouTube, Facebook, Instagram is everyone can post anything they like. You have that ability. The bad part about it is everyone can post anything they like because <laughs> they have that ability. <laughs> you know? I knew exactly where you <laughs> yeah. were going. You know what I mean? Everybody's a hero, dude. Everybody's yeah. a hero. So, you know, there's not, the fuck-ups aren't on there. Exactly correct. So you know the, the, they show the good but hide the bad. That's social media in its, in its essence. You can look super happy on social media and your marriage could be crumbling. And no one will know because you portray this happy life on Facebook. No matter how, no matter who you are and what, what uh, you know, where you are in the world, you've heard of somebody saying, "Oh, mm -hmm. looks like everything's good on Facebook," and you know damn well their life is trash, right? So yeah. the point, the point that I make, the point that I'm making with that is, you know, 
you can stay engaged with the guys in your firehouse at the kitchen table, the tailboard of the fire truck, sitting around, shooting the breeze, talking about stuff. You know, you listen to call, like they put out a house fire, you flip that radio over and then you just start talking. Oh, it's, you know, at, you know, walk and don't walk. You pull that intersection up on Google maps, pull it up. Oh, Hey, this is the reported house. Oh, it's a three story. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a two story Cape Cod. Let's talk about, it. Hey, boom, boom, boom. This is where we would go. Hey, yeah. what would you do? You know, and you talk, you take it and you do that. Let's say you do that, and this is just conversation sake, not reality. Every shift, once mm-hmm. or twice a shift, you talk about it. Compound that over a year of guys and girls with great experience, knowledge, and know what they're doing. Imagine what you're going to take away from those things. Because it's only a matter of time before you start talking about these fires that you're listening to until you go on one. And now you can say, hey, you remember? We, talked about. we just talked about this last week. Yeah. An, a- an hour ago, we just talked about this. Hey, B-Shift ran this garden apartment. Hey, let's yep. go take a look at it. And guess what? Holy crap, we were on the same complex. They did this, this, and this, and it worked out great. We did it, and it, it didn't work out great. Or it didn't work out for them, and it worked for us, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense what I'm saying to you? Oh, yeah, dude. We critique, so, you know, I try and critique other people's fires that we didn't even go to, and it's not about, like, hey, what could we have done better as C-Shift, you know, to do sure. X, Y, and Z. But it's like, hey, here's where they put ground ladders. Here's where they flew the truck. Here's where they spotted the engine. What sure. could we have done different? What if we just stopped short versus pulling long? What are, you know, what are the different tactical decisions that were made? That, you know, what are our other options? Are these options better options? Are they worse options? You know, and that to me, um, you know, we, we talked about this the other day and I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that the, the department that I'm in now um, because of the transition we're in is, uh, we have had, so we're doing a lot of policy revisions um, and policy creations. And we have, because we are a predominantly part-time model, I believe there are 25 different fire departments represented in the city of Roswell on any given day. 25 departments across Atlanta that we have guys working for, guys and gals. So you have a vast, like a swath of different experience levels. You've got guys from the city of Atlanta. You have guys from DeKalb County, which goes to a ton of fires still. Cobb County, Marietta. I mean, you name it. There's a ton of different counties and cities that are that are represented there. So there's a bunch of different experience levels. And we also have automatic aid agreements with one, two, what, three cities, four cities that we'll be running with. Um, so, you know, we, we rewrote a structure fire policy. I'm very happy that I think some of the ideas that I had were put into play because I, I know they're going to work. It's very similar to what we had in Atlanta, but, um, you know, being able to have that experience and the, and the best part about it is like you were talking about earlier is having the support. They're like, all right, cool. That all sounds good. Write the policy. And I'm like, what? I don't, I don't write a policy. Like, <laughs> sure. Your mind. Like you don't want me doing that, you know, but I threw a bunch of ideas down on some paper. A lot of them were taken. Some of them weren't. We had to make them uh, a few of them compliant with the new command system we're starting to use. And but at the end of the day, my point is like, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. Like, a lot of things work for everybody. Wants to go to FDNY and FDNY and FDNY. A lot of things work for them because of where they are, their staffing, their rig setups. You know, I wanted something that was going to be a little bit more blanketed to us and to the cities that we run with and the experience level and how our rigs are staffed and our rigs are set up. And I think it's going to be a really good thing, you know, so it it was taking a lot of the experience that I had running a very similar system downtown and it's going to, I think it's going to work out great. So 
Yeah. You I, know, you know, all that training comes into it, man. It's, sure. just, it's, it's looking at other people's work and other people's jobs that they went to and fires that they had, and, you know. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the takeaway is like what works for us. Right. And that's kind of the point what I was making, you know, as long as you're engaged with the guys or girls that you work with, you know, how many times you've been to a firehouse where you walk in and everybody's on their phones and completely separate parts of the firehouse. They don't talk. They don't do meal. They don't do meals together. They're off in their own. Right. But then you go to the firehouses where go in and they're breaking each other's balls all day long. Mm -hmm. They're absolutely like you just get crushed. The second you walk <laughs> yeah. in to the second you leave, you're getting absolutely <laughs> freaking hammered, right? But think about that. You're cr that's a culture that you want to be a part of because yeah. the joking, the ball breaking, all those things ebb and flow. But what also ebbs and flows in between and fills in those gaps are the calls, the right. stuff where you, where, you, where you learn things or you, know, you get the, hey, Dave, you really screwed this up. You should try you know, X, Y, and Z. And then you start checking each other. You start teaching each other. And all those things spill over into you know, those moments where shit's on. And you've spent months, weeks, years building a rapport, trust, learning, and a culture of how you want to do things for your, right. for your crew. Because the thing about New York is they do things their way for them. And if it's not New York, they're not doing it. Right. Right. They're, they don't care what Los Angeles is doing. New York right. doesn't say New York doesn't buy, you know, um, I don't know, D.C. spec hose. No, people buy FDNY spec hose. Right. right. Because they do things their own way for what works for them. They created an entire culture, ideology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all there's a culture there of pride, tradition, accountability, respect, all those things. But everything they're doing up there that people idolize. You can do yourself. Do it for your right. department. What do what works for Bill's fire service and yep. freaking crush it. Stay engaged. Care about your guys and girls. Let the men be the men. Let them do their jobs. Tell them what you need done. Check on mm -hmm. them and let them let them let it go. You know, yep. let your department flourish. You you know what I mean? And lead by example and and I think things will fall into place, but I think when people start getting caught up in all these other things, they get caught up in, you know, what other people are doing when they can need to just focus on themselves, their own crew, their own department. Right. I think, I think when they're, they, you get, I think that's where you get caught up in it. I think that's where the, the issues come from, but you know, if it doesn't matter if, and I know it's very long winded about it. It doesn't matter how many, if you run one fire or a thousand fires. Mm-hmm. If you're not prepared, you're not prepared. No, I agree. And, and like you said, that just takes staying engaged. You know, I'm not the guy that's out there training every single shift. You know, everybody's like, ah, oh, we stretch every single day. And there are a couple people I know that legitimately do that. Good on them. I, I work on what needs to be worked on. And, you know, I have, I have so many things that I want to get done, you know, six, seven months into this adventure that I'm in now. Um, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. I can't do it all in one day. There's 24 hours skills. in a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sharpen yeah. it as it goes. You, you're there Absolutely. to guide. You're there. You're there to guide it, right? You're not there to create the axe. You sharpen the axe. You sharpen the edge. You, yep. you know. You and know. I think, and I think it's a lot like a, it's a lot like a slingshot. You pull that slingshot back and you release it. It's going to shoot. You pull that slingshot back and you hold it. It's going to go slack and the rock will fall. Mm -hmm. I, I think if you create whatever that balance is, you find your balance. But you find your balance because you're engaged with your group with your crew 
and you know what works off of each other and, and hopefully people that you work with have experience and where everyone fills in the gap. And, and I don't know where I saw this. I saw this somewhere. I forget where it is. But you want to create a group where it's hard to figure out who the leader is. Because there's the guy that's there's there's the guy that's ultimately responsible, but you don't want I mean, I don't know about you, and I'm sure you're the same way I am. I don't want to be the smartest person in my group because I want to be able to learn from other people and I want everyone I want everyone to have strengths that I don't have and I want to be able to have strengths they don't have. You you know what I mean? It's funny, I was I was telling a guy a story the other day, and this has been twenty years ago. We had a kid that uh, I think he was doing his they sent him to the field for a while to do a rotation with us. And uh, his dad was on the job, a uh, different part of the department. And he's like, Hey, you know, how are you liking it? You know, you're, you're at this station. How, how are things going? He's like, good. He's like, who are the captains? He's like, I don't know. And he's like, what? And he goes, you've been down there two weeks. What do you mean? You don't know. He goes, I don't know who they are. And he's like, <laughs> well, who's wearing, and we were wearing light blue button downs. I say we, the, the officers were wearing light blue button downs at this department at this uh, time. And he goes, well, who's wearing the button downs? He goes, they're all, dad, they're all wearing t-shirts. And he's like, well, well, who do they call cap? He goes, nobody. They call each other by their first names. And so it's just like, we had sure. no idea, you know, but it was, again, you have, when it comes time to go to work, we knew who was in charge. We knew who to call cap. We knew who to, you know, get your orders from, but it was just such a laid back. Like it didn't need to be flossed every shift who, who was the boss and who, you know, sure. It was just kind of a funny story. So, and I think it's I think it's also kind of interesting, and and I I mean I, I take a lot of pride in this, where you know, I don't want to say there's a separation where the guys know who you are, but mm-hmm. you're you're still amongst the guys, right? So you're still in that, right. bro- I don't want to say brotherhood. You're still in that one of the guys role, but when mm-hmm. they when they you, the best way I can explain this is the way I'm. The way that I've learned is if you get your chops busted and joked and teased the same way anyone else would in the firehouse, and it's you're like good. you're it's game on, right? Like yeah. you get absolutely hammered, hammered. <laughs> but when you go on a call, there's none of that. Right. It's right. your name they call you Lieutenant, LT, whatever. Yep without being prompted, anything like that, you can tell when the respect is there. I don't know how to explain that. I, I, oh, don't, I, know, agree. Yeah. I don't know a good example. I, I honestly don't know a good example, but what I do know is no matter who you are at experience level, that is palpable and you either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. It's, there, there is no middle area. There is no gray area. You have it or you don't. And when right. you don't, you will know it. When you do, you will know it. So, um, I mean, we're hitting that hour mark. I mean, we're actually, we're probably, I think we're actually way over it, but um, <laughs> I think this is, I think this is kind of a good point to, uh, to start closing this out. Um, mm-hmm. Is there, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? Anybody else you wanted to give a shout out to or anything else, any closing thoughts or remarks before we get, uh, before we close this out? Yeah. You know, we were talking uh, before, I think before you hit record uh, earlier and and I, I don't want to, I don't want to miss call the wrong podcast, but you know, you were, we were talking about some things that are important, important as an officer, important as a father, important as a husband, as important as just a human being. Um, listen to a podcast about five years ago. And, and one of the guys said that humility was the best quality in an officer and staying humble, keeping, staying grounded. Um, you know, there are, 
that to me, I, I will first of all, whole, wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, there are some people out there that will tell you that I'm probably some people will think that I'm arrogant or I, I come across as arrogant sometimes because of, I, I, dude, I joke, I have a good time. Sure. You know, the whole thing that happened uh, three years ago, uh, you know, wh- what do I do? I, I can't make it go away. I don't, nope. I don't want that to be rehashed. I learned a lot from it. People are still going to come up and say, Hey man, it's cool to meet you. You know? And I'm like, dude, I, I let me tell you the stupid thing that I did yesterday. You know what I mean? It's, it's not sure. Um, it, it, it is what it is for whatever reason it happened to me. I told my wife, um, I think about a week into everything social media wise. I mean, and I was like, you know what? And, and like I told you before, my captain was off that night. And I was like, I really wish I was never on the truck that night. I wish I'd just been on the end. The engine didn't go with us. I was like, I just wish I was on the engine. I don't, I wish I could take the whole thing back. And she kindly talked me out of that. And she's like, listen, if this, you know, this, this was meant to happen. And I'm a firm believer in that. My dad's told me that since I was a kid, everything happens for a reason. There's a reason I was there. I don't, I, I couldn't tell you. Maybe I really know exactly why. Maybe I'll find out one day. Maybe I won't. But point being is like, is staying grounded, um, you know, being humble. You don't know everything. You know, I, I like to hear about other people's mistakes, other people's fires they go to. I'm not the guy that's like, well, why'd you do X, Y, and Z? And we all run across those officers. We all run across those guys that, that haven't made a mistake that, you know, they're the, they're the best firemen on their job. Just to ask them, you know, yeah. Yeah. and um, to mistake me, but again, I, I, right. And, and I can't, I, I can't stress that enough. Like to me, yeah. you know, we talked about that earlier is just the staying humble and especially, you know, when you're in a smaller department and, and, you know, go to training, go to, go get your, you know, get your sets and reps in. That's the, yeah. that's the key thing now, but just sure. like you, you nailed it, stay engaged. Sure. However, to what extent that's up to each individual person, the company, the company officer, but stay engaged with it, you know, and just, and just stay grounded. Don't ever get too big for too big for your britches, you know, stay, and stay I humble. Yeah. And that to me, you know, not bringing the, the whole thing back up. If a certain person had been a little bit more humble, then I probably wouldn't have charges and we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation because I'm still getting my teeth kicked in downtown. And, you know, it, none, none of that would have happened, but it happened for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting, it's been an interesting ride. I was telling uh, a good friend of mine retired a couple of years ago or a couple months back. And he was a mentor of mine from the time I was 19 years old. Uh, eventually I got to the city. We worked a bunch of fires together. He was a captain on a different shift at my station, worked a lot of overtime with him An absolute outstanding fireman, uh, company officer retired as a battalion chief, uh, just a phenomenal guy. One of the most, one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. I just can't say enough about him. And he was asking how things were going at the new job. And I was like, you know, dude, I was like, I would never have guessed the twists and turns that the last 24 years has thrown in my lap. Um, I've made a lot of wrong turns. I've made, I've definitely taken some bumpier paths on some stuff. Um, but if you told me that, Hey, at 19 years old, this is what's going to happen. You know, the ghost of Christmas future comes and visits you and says, Hey, this is, this is what your next quarter century is going to look like. I'd do it all over again without batting an eye, the good, the bad, knowing exactly what I, what I know now 
I would do the whole thing over again. It, it, this, this career, to quote my, my very good friend that passed away several years ago, cancer, Frank Martinez, he goes, this job's given me more than I deserved. Sure. And I do believe that he's, you know, Frank nailed it with that one. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it was, a, it's been an interesting ride. I, I don't even, I shudder to think what the next, uh, I got probably about another 15 left in me. I don't know what the next 15 years is going to look like. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, full of highs and lows, but it's been a, it's been an absolutely outstanding ride. I never in a million years would have pictured it. Um, but you just take shit as it comes and, you know, work through it. The good and the bad. You know, and I want to tap in on that a little bit too. And I, I, I'll keep this short. You know, you said things happen for a reason and you ended up leaving the Atlanta fire department. Well, now you can tell your story to guys and girls that aren't going to get half the experience that you have. So maybe, maybe the reason is you are now that, that expert experienced man with wisdom to embark on less experienced people and guide them. So my goal for this entire podcast that I've always wanted to do, I don't care how many people listen to it or anything like that. My goal is one day, hopefully I grasp one person and they take something away from this to make themselves better and they become successful or move to the next level or whatever it is. And if I can affect one person's life at some point, they're going to affect someone else's and that person will someone yeah. else. And then some, so this ripple effect that you can create by telling your story, by talking to the guys and girls that you work with and by showing them what a bad day is and how you can recover from it. Hey, you made a bad decision. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what I went through. Hey, all you got to do, you just keep going. You'll be okay. Like, I think a lot of those things have more longer lasting effects on people than you realize. And you're probably not going to realize that for a long time because you may never hear it, but it's going to happen. Right. Right. So, um, and that's kind of, uh, you know, my whole, I remember as a kid uh, on the job, I remember I was talking to one of my first battalion chiefs I worked with and, you know, how do you influence people? How do I learn? How do I become you? How do you, you know, I'm always looking to take what I can, you know, the good and the bad from the guys that I've worked with over the years. And, uh, I think he might, I think he was the one that told me, he's like, look, if I can get, you know, and, and it was kind of my mantra. I don't know if that's the right word, but like when you make, a, when you make lieutenants, like, okay, if I can get, you know, one of the guys on my four man engine company to think a little bit like I do or, or give them a, a couple nuggets to take mm-hmm. and they take it, they make Lieutenant and they take those nuggets and give them to their guy. Maybe they polish them up a little bit, you know, a uh, very good friend of mine that we've talked about this for years, that they're not going to erect a statue of Mike nasty. When you leave your job, sure. You're going to be there one day and then you're going to retire and they're going to put another sap in your seat that just made captain or lieutenant or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the machine's going to keep cruising. It's nothing against Mike. It's not saying you didn't have any influence, but this, this, is a, this machine's going to keep rolling. It's been rolling for a couple centuries, and it's going to keep going with or without you being there physically, you know, personally. But if your ideas and your thought processes and the way that you do – and you've got a like, podcast now. I, I, I honestly I don't even know if I knew what a podcast was four years ago i kind of had an idea but like this is great this is this is essentially the paper it's it's the books that we pass down for centuries that now we have these audio recordings of everybody that are going to live long past us 
you know, so you're doing a great thing by pushing that on. And, and, and I, I don't mean that to be a negative, but like, again, dude, when you're gone, when I'm gone, sure. The fire department's going to keep rolling. But if you, if you, your legacy are the ideas and the processes and the experiences that you gave to your people in your command or your friends having a beer that, that maybe never worked directly with you. It's sure. the stories you share. And uh, man, it's just, it's uh it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, career that we chose. And it's, uh, there's so many, so many pluses and very few minuses of it. It's just, it's just been, like I said, man, I can't, I can't say enough about it. It's been a wild ride, you know, yeah. and uh, sure. We'll see what the, see what the rest of it holds, you know? Yeah. And, and to touch a little bit on what you said about the, uh, the legacy part. I mean, how many times have you had stories and lessons that you learned from guys that don't work in the department anymore that you teach to someone else and you say, you don't say, you know, Bill Smith taught me this. You say, Hey, look, I was taught this with this situation. Mm -hmm. You need to do X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. People remember those things forever. And if you leave, I, I feel if you always try to do the right thing and you lead by example and you can somehow make people, you know, a better firefighter and a better human being in general, I mean, mission that's complete. It. That's what we're all here Success. for. Success, exactly. Um, so know, it's no different than no different than being a good father and raising your kids right. You, you're, exactly. you're raising you're raising people on the fire department. You gotta I, I you gotta don't. love them. You gotta love your guys and girls that you work with. You've got yep. to. You know, and, then, yeah, and people 100%. people will follow you anywhere if they know you truly care about them. You got to hold up your end of the deal, being good at your job and being proficient. Mm -hmm. But I, I promise you, you could be the best firefighter in the world. If people don't trust you, if people don't think that you care about them, they're not going to follow you into water. They won't. You, you know, right. I, I've, I've experienced um, situations where I know people had zero respect for me because of who I was as, a, as an officer and, and how I carried myself. And, you know, it was a long time to learn that lesson. It kind of sucked. And, I, you know, I feel like over time I learned my lesson. And, and then I had a situation where I was really screwing something up. And the guy that had the most experience, the most time on that everyone on the shift looks up to for multiple things, both in and outside of work, came to me and said, collectively, we need you to fix this, figure mm -hmm. it out. He took the time to say something to me. Like, who, who would I right. be to, to not take that and listen, right? And, yeah. over, you know, and, and I learned a lesson and, and that's a legacy. And, and I've been able to tell other other officers or other firefighters like you know hey look you, you're struggling with what i just struggled with somebody on my shift taught me this mm -hmm. try, try this and you know so um so yeah um do you have social media or anywhere else people can get a hold of you where they want to, if they want to listen to what your story is and yeah absolutely out to um yeah I'm, I'm on facebook danny dwyer um I am on Instagram as well, and unfortunately, some Russian hacker got my original account with thousands of pictures on there uh, oh, about a year ago. But it's, uh, I believe, it is Irons Boss underscore four zero four on Instagram, and then my email is tailboard ten at gmail .com. So yeah, please, you know, um, I'm always happy to uh, to talk shop with guys. You know, um, it's. To what I do, uh, unfortunately, you know, you try, you go through these uh, waves in your career. It's like ah, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be known as just just being a fireman. But at the end of the day, this is this is all in our blood, and um, I still love talking about the job and talking about calls and stuff like that. So, you know, shoot me an email, shoot me a message on Facebook, man. I'm glad to uh, glad to chew the fat with, with anybody. 
Awesome. So we're going to, we're going to add that into our description and uh, links, cool. links below. Danny, don't go anywhere real quick while I close this out. Thanks for listening to the tip of the spear leadership podcast. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving a review on your favorite podcast network. Hit that download button and make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review. We read them all. Stay tuned in the coming weeks as we have more episodes coming out. Have a great day, guys. Thank you.